Hezekiah was the new king. He watched as his father Ahaz was buried. And Hezekiah could not have been any more different than his dad, whose rule over Judah thankfully had come to an end. Ahaz was one of those guys you didn't want your daughter to bring home. He was wicked, and Scripture records he did not do that which was right in the sight of the Lord, for he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. Ahaz had forsaken God and worshipped the gods of the surrounding nations. He even offered children as burnt sacrifices. Ahaz hadn't finished his depraved to-do list. He cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God and shut up the doors of the house of God, and he made him altars in every corner of Jerusalem and in every several city of Judah. He made high places to burn incense unto other gods and provoked to anger the Lord God of his fathers. Second Chronicles 28, verses 24 through 25. But at the height of his idolatry, Ahaz died, and Hezekiah came to the throne. Thankfully, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. But long before his dear old dad Ahaz died, Hezekiah had begun making plans for overturning his dad's idolatrous worship. And once Hezekiah was the king, he opened the temple again. He gathered the priests and the Levites and commanded them to consecrate themselves for service in the temple to God, to purify it, to restore sacrifices. And as he restored right worship, Hezekiah eliminated false worship. He removed those old altars from Jerusalem his dad used to worship on. The crown of his restoration was a two-week-long celebration of Passover. After this, he commanded that all the altars and high places be destroyed through Judah, and thus did Hezekiah throughout all Judah, and wrought what was good and right and true before the Lord his God, and in every work that he began in the service of the house of God and the law and the commandments to seek his God, he did it with all his heart, and he prospered. It seems right that God would continually bless Hezekiah for his devotion, that his reign would be peaceful and prosperous. And for many years it was so, but in the 14th year of Hezekiah's reign, you can already hear the steel guitar begin to play, can't you? A terrible report came to him that the mighty Assyrians, that brutal empire, had invaded and they were bent on destroying Jerusalem. How could this be? Hezekiah was experiencing the fact that pure devotion does not mean we live a trouble-free life. But he was also about to experience what he had always believed, that our God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. And we're going to hear more about Hezekiah's story right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry. I'm your host, and you're listening to the God's Word for Life Companion Podcast. Hope you've had having a good week so far. Today's episode stems from a lesson dated July 24th, 2022, and it is entitled Our Refuge and Strength. And it stems from one psalm, Psalm 46, verse 1. In Psalm 46, verse 1 reads, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. What a powerful, powerful verse. During Ahaz's reign, 
his wickedness and idolatry had led God to hand over Ahaz to his enemies. Facing those enemies' attacks, Ahaz made the fatal error of appealing to the Assyrians for military aid, and the Assyrians did come, and they did deliver Ahaz and Judah from the kings of Syria and Israel, but Ahaz and Judah paid a very high price. Ahaz was made to be a servant of the king of Assyria. He had to pay tribute, a yearly tribute, and formally recognize the Assyrian gods. When Hezekiah became king, he rejected that little treaty his dad made, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. That did not make the king of Assyria happy. For one reason, his name was called Sennacherib. It was hard to spell, hard to pronounce, so he just wasn't a happy guy to begin with. But Sennacherib did not tolerate rebellion. He marched on Judah. He was going to show Hezekiah who's boss around here. Sennacherib attacked and captured all the fortified cities of Judah, and then he set his sights on Jerusalem. And it was clear that Jerusalem was his next target. Hezekiah first tried to avoid this devastating siege by telling Sennacherib, listen, I'll pay you whatever you want. Just leave me alone. And Sennacherib demanded, and he received an enormous amount of money. But he did not leave Hezekiah alone. <laughs> you never can trust those guys. Hezekiah did trust in God. He, in fact, he had so much trust in the Lord, the Bible says he trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that came before him. Second Kings 18 verse 5. Hezekiah surpassed all others in trusting God. His deep trust in God did not mean that he thought God would do all the work, though. Hezekiah did what he could. He trusted God would do what he could not. First, he tried to pay the Assyrians to leave, and that failed. So he set about to undermine the Assyrians' ability to wage war against him. Hezekiah cut off the water supply outside of the city to deny the Assyrians any easy source of water to sustain them while they tried to besiege Jerusalem. Then he went about fortifying the city itself. He, he would do everything he knew while trusting God. In short, Hezekiah prepared for battle while seeking and depending on God. He repaired the city wall that had been broken. He built towers on the wall from which his soldiers could attack their attackers. Then he added another wall to keep the bad guys from hurting the good guys. All the while, he repaired their military fortifications and made weapons and made shields in abundance. So here's a question. Would you fault Hezekiah for trying to pay off Sennacherib and would you characterize his actions as a lack of faith? Or would it be more accurate to characterize them as wisdom and love for his own people? Good question. So after strengthening the physical city and strengthening the walls of their city, Hezekiah began to strengthen the spirit of the people. He encouraged them, let's not focus on our valor or everything we've done to fortify the city or what the people might do. In short, Hezekiah did not encourage the people by urging them to rely on anything they could do. He encouraged them by focusing on God and the help he would provide those who steadfastly looked to him for deliverance. Hezekiah cried out to the people, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Hezekiah loved to rhyme in the English, probably didn't rhyme in the Hebrew. For the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him, for there be more with us than with him. At first glance, it sounds like Hezekiah was out in the sun too long. And it might sound like Hezekiah stressed that they could trust in all of their strength and numbers because there were more in Jerusalem than the Assyrian army, but the more was not about how many were with them, 
but who was with them? Hezekiah added, For with him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and fight our battles. Second Chronicles 32, verse 8. Courage swelled in the people's hearts as Hezekiah's words, they hit their target. This was not Hezekiah putting on a bold face in a desperate attempt to stir up some people to remain firm. This, this was Hezekiah having faith. The people could see it in his eyes and hear it in his voice. He was certain what he spoke was true. In the end of Second Chronicles 32, verse 8 reads, And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Or as the ESV reads, the people took confidence on the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. They placed their confidence in the help from God, Hezekiah proclaimed, and they rested in him. Here's a question. What does Hezekiah's example reveal about the power of one person's faith? When Hezekiah assured the people that God was with them and he would be a refuge for them and fight their battles, he was echoing a theme we see several times in the Old Testament. When the Israelites faced the Red Sea and they saw the Egyptians bearing down on them, in terror they cried out to the Lord, and Moses told them, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I just think Moses had a deep voice. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Exodus 14, verses 13 through 14. Another time when the Ammonites and Moabites came to make war against King Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah, the king cried out to God that they were too weak to stand against such a mighty horde. And the Levite named Jehaziel prophesied and encouraged them to stand strong. For thus says the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of the great multitude, for the battle is not yours. It is God's. We find strength in these promises, and we can believe God still fights for his people. God is still a saving refuge for us. Never does a New Testament writer assert that this was only true for Old Testament believers. No contraire, mon frere. In Romans 15, verse 4, Paul re- writes, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Thank God for that. Then he added in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11, Now all these things happened to them as examples and were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. We can claim these promises. So what about a promise from Scripture for you? What what promise from Scripture do you find yourself repeating as a source of encouragement and strength? One of my promises is my favorite verse in all of the Holy Word of God, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord of the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. My favorite scripture that reminds me I'm living this day for that day. Now the psalmist expressed this as encouraging truth about God being a refuge in the 46th Psalm with which we read, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. This verse implies we will have trouble. God doesn't promise to be with us to keep us from trouble, but he promises to be with us in our trouble. The trouble that would inevitably come as we live our lives in this fallen world, the trouble that may come our way even as we live righteously as Hezekiah did while seeking God with all of our hearts, we're still going to have trouble. And yet we will find as Hezekiah found, Our God is a present help in trouble. How have you found God to be an ever-present help in trouble?
Well, the psalmist assured his readers that God was always right in their midst. In verses 4 through 5 of the 46th Psalm, the psalmist described it as God being in the midst of the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. And because God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. Why will she not be moved? Because God shall help her, and that right early, or as the New King James puts it, just at the break of dawn. I I want you to use that phrase sometime this week. Maybe you're waking the kids up to go somewhere for summer vacation or something, but I want you to use the phrase, hey, we've got to leave right early. That'll be fun. In light of the promises to fight for his people, God said through the psalmist, be still and know that I am God. Verse 10. We are to do what we can to be ready for the troubles and battles that come. Hezekiah did. But having his best work done, he ceased his work and looked to the Lord who was in the midst of the holy city for the actual victory. Hezekiah had a solid foundation of faith and he was building on it, acting on it. The Assyrians' threats were so cruel, they were so terrifying and blasphemous that Hezekiah's faith not surprisingly wavered for a moment. In a moment of doubt about his fate and his city's fate and his people's fate, Hezekiah sent some of his officials dressed in sackcloth to the prophet Isaiah. And through them, Hezekiah expressed concern for their lack of strength and their military might. And they told the prophet, therefore, pray for the remnant that still survives. We, we're just, we don't have a whole lot of people. We have a little bit left. Please pray that we will make it. And in response, God gave a word to Isaiah for Hezekiah. Thus saith the Lord, be not afraid of the words which thou hast heard, which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Behold, I will send a blast upon him, and he shall hear a rumor, and shall return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. Second Kings 19, verses 6-7. through 7. God was telling Isaiah, Be still, and know that I am God. Hezekiah, you need to quiet down. Cease your fretting. Remember your faith. You don't have to depend on yourself. I've got this. And God was true to his word. He sent an angel to cut off all the mighty men of valor. And when the king of Assyria came into the house of his God, he was killed by those closest to him. At times, those with the most faith will fall into moments of doubt and almost give way to despair. But in those dark moments, let the psalmist be for us what Isaiah was for Hezekiah, a calming, faith-inspiring voice saying, be still and know that he is God. He is for you, he is with you, and he is ready to enter the battle to deliver you. Okay, let's wrap this up. All of us face trouble. We face enemies in our life, both human and demonic. But we're not alone in this fight. There are always more for us than there are against us because the Lord our God is in our midst to fight our battles. But for us to see this as a reality in our lives, we've got to go beyond just being glad for these facts, and we have to act on them. And when we see the enemies on the horizon coming our way to attack us, we have to have faith that God is with us. We're probably not likely to see an actual enemy army coming our way, but what if somebody on your job attacks you, criticizes your work, or sows seeds of doubt about your integrity, or undermines your boss's opinion of you and your chances of promotion? Or what if you're trying to start a new ministry in your church and somebody doesn't think you have what it takes to and they try to sow doubt about you to your pastor or they discourage others from getting involved in supporting that ministry? Or what if a bully at school is making your child's life miserable? 
What if you feel under constant spiritual assault from Satan and feelings of fear or temptation assail? Or what if, we could fill in blanks from now until Thanksgiving, what do you do? Regardless of the enemy, be still and know that God is God. Cry out that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Be like Hezekiah. Do what you can reasonably do to clarify things with your boss, to assure your pastor, to speak to the teacher, to equip your child to deal with bullies and minimize Satan's ability to tempt or attack you. By all means, take action. Do what you can. But as you do what you can, fix your eyes on Jesus. Confess God's promises to be an ever-present warrior to fight your battles. And then stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I want us to pray today that the Lord would help us. Help us to do what we can do, and then also help us to trust that he will do what we cannot, and then be filled with faith that God is with us. Lord Jesus, I thank you today. You are a present help in trouble. You are our refuge and strength. I ask you today, Lord, to please help all of us as we prepare for battle, as we face enemies, both spiritual and natural. I do ask you to help us to do what we can do. Help us to Do all that you have called us to do and then help us to stand still and see your salvation, to trust you, to do what we cannot. God, fill us with faith today that we are not alone. You are on our side. You are with us. You are for us. You are fighting our battles. I thank you for that today. I ask you to minister to everyone out there who's dealing with any kind of enemy. I pray, God, give us the strength, the faith, the courage to trust you. I pray it today. Fight our battles In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks so much, God's Word for Life listeners. Be sure to click subscribe and share so you'll never miss an episode. And nobody you are trying to disciple or your friends or family have to miss an episode either. Let them know about this podcast. Also, head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. Link is there in the show notes. We've got some wonderful resources to help you and others in your devotional walk and your life with faith. So be sure to head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. Next week, I want to share with you an episode that is the last in this series called God is Our Refuge. The episode is called Our Burden Bearer. Comes straight out of Psalms, Psalm 5522. Looking forward to sharing that with you next week. And always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.